<laughs> Put the giz to bed. <laughs> Time you gotta take. You gotta take this higher. You gotta kick this higher. The end is nigh. Either it'll end like a normal year, or Lord Quetzalcoatl will come back and destroy us all. This is Top Ten Thursdays. I'm your host, John Lemmy. John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carstens. And like it or not, guys, the year's about half over. I don't know if you noticed. I have a calendar. You have a calendar? Yeah, it's got fat cats on it. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It's not as funny as I was hoping it would be. I was hoping it would be a little more raunchy. What That's does right. that mean? Well, just like more suggestive. It's like pretty PG. What, the cats? Yeah, I thought it'd be more suggestive poses. Or like, I don't Like sexy? Sexy cats? <laughs> <laughs> sexy fat cats? What's a sexy cat pose look like? Is it just a sexy human pose? Yeah, basically. All right. How just do something you... a little more clever. Just like, hey, the cat's fat. It's sitting down. Just Sounds like... like something Paul put together. No, Paul would have been way more clever at that. He would have had the cats doing stuff, you know? Playing sports or something. I don't know. They'd be saying things like, I can't stop till I eat it all. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> wow. Uh, but. So. Yeah. Year's half over. Everyone knows the end of the year is got to list all our favorite stuff time. So halfway through the year means hopefully list half of our favorite stuff. Time. Actually, no, I guess in an ideal world, none of this stuff would make our end of the year list because back half of 2012 would just be so freaking sweet. Everything Hopefully. would be way better. We can just show people what we've been into lately, I guess. Get nice. a little glimpse into us. Honestly, it's been a pretty good year. Now that I think about it, now that I look at our list, I'm pretty happy with a lot of what we've gotten so far. It's been all right so far. Do you want to just jump into it? Let's jump into it. All right, so we're going to talk about a bunch of different categories, and the very first one is movies, film, cinema. And the first film we saw, uh, or alphabetically at least, is 21 Jump Street. Comedy movie, Channing Tatum, like most movies in 2012, and Jonah Hill, uh, an adaptation of the uh, classic. Is it a classic? Classic, parentheses, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think it's really a classic. About cops who go uh, undercover at the the eponymous 21 Jump Street High School uh, to bust the... Is it drugs in the original show, too? Well, it was a TV show, so I'm sure it covered all sorts of different stuff. But yeah, True. probably drugs. It's just interesting to see something that sounds like it's like, oh, it's like when they made that stupid Dukes of Hazard movie of Sean William Scott. Like, it's just a quick buck, you know, using the name recognition. But it was actually a comedy that they put a lot of work into and everyone was really funny in it and all clicked and maybe even better than the original show. The original show was like dramatic. <laughs> um, I mean, why do you think it was... What did you guys like about it? I liked it because it was basically, to me, super bad too. I mean, I hadn't really seen a movie with that type of humor again and and I really liked the return of... Jonah Hill being Jonah Hill. Yeah, going back to school, yeah. being a student again, because he still does look like kind of a kid. 
Mm. Well, I think it's even funnier seeing Channing Tatum. Yeah. Everyone's like, you're like, you look like you're like 30 years old. <laughs> Funniest dude. And I didn't really like Channing Tatum before this movie, but I, I liked him in that because yeah. they played to his strengths, which is just kind of this tough macho guy. And that really worked out because it just yeah. makes him seem really stupid and yeah. dumb. And I really enjoy that. And there's a lot of great comedic set pieces in here. I think one of my favorite parts of this movie was a chase scene with a lot of where he kept expecting an explosion to happen because it happens in so many action movies, but then it doesn't. And then a, an explosion eventually does happen, but it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Just little things like that. It's very self-aware. Yeah. I love how out of touch the main characters are, even though they're just a few years removed from the high school scene. Because, mm-hmm. you know. It's not like we can really. Yeah. At least I can. I don't know anything about kids nowadays. I'm, I was in high school only five years ago. <laughs> but I feel so far removed from that world already. So maybe we can relate to it. Because Superbad was like our lives. Yeah. I mean, we're not undercover cops or anything. but Maybe we should go undercover into high school. That's what it'd be like. Well, another thing that that uh, another reaction I had to the movie is because when we were in high school, um, a neighboring school in our school district had undercover cops, and there was drug busts, and so it always like like hearing about that from fr- you know friends that went to that school always made me think like like that'd be so weird if you had like a friend and then he was a cop, and like but then to see this, I mean, obviously this isn't that realistic, but. <laughs> You know what I mean? I always thought like that would be the most bizarre situation. That was the one part of this movie I didn't really like was Jonah Hill romancing the high school student. It felt a little icky. Felt a little tacked on, like they needed to have it. For I mean, but I guess you're saying it was icky. I don't know if it's is. I thought that that was icky. I mean, he wasn't that much older, was he? I probably not, because uh, it was like they went to police academy right out of high school, right? So they're yeah. probably just a few years older. And then they were bike cops. <laughs> I'm all about him shooting his gun, shooting his gun up in the air <laughs> after they make their first arrest. Yeah, Nick Offerman had some pretty good screen time too. I seem to recall that he was talking about how the the certain plan was like the same recycled, you know, piece of shit. That I don't know. Yeah. He, he, some joke about how this whole thing is just a remake of the old TV show. Uh, that's what I like about the mo- the most about it is that it's self aware, and I think that's what worked for it. And a funny cameo towards the end. You'll have to watch it to find out. All right. Next on Who could it be? The Avengers. What? My most anticipated movie of the year, and I liked it. Big surprise. What did you guys think of it? It was awesome. It's pretty much all I can say. It was okay. I wasn't really as excited as some other people. I thought it was pretty heavy on plot that I was, a plot that I wasn't really into. Just a lot of techno babble too i mean there's i liked it overall i just wasn't crazy about it and i didn't feel like there was that much character development i guess that's what the other movies were for so we didn't need like as much but i feel like there wasn't enough time with the characters just to just talk about like how they felt it was more of like them kind of what are we going to do next to move the story ahead and everything yeah i guess i'm easily amused by it because i feel like i'm just so impressed that 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 it happened that i my ceiling is pretty low as far as, you know, like, as long as it wasn't completely awful, I think I was going to like it. I think John's underselling it. I, th- I think there was uh, light character development. Uh, not not like whole character arcs, but more like conclusions to character arcs set up in the original movies. Mm-hmm. Like Captain America finally steps into his role as, as a leader of men in the modern day, and the Iron Man learns how to be a little bit less selfish and... and 
and every every character had a cool scene at least. Uh, you know, everyone talks about the Hulk the most, rightfully, because he's probably the best character in that movie. And uh, even him, you know, that kind of satisfies the this weird arc of three actors playing the Hulk over three movies, of him finally kind of getting in touch with his inner turmoil and and learning to control his powers a little bit at least. I really only liked Iron Man because he just has a bunch of funny one-liners and everything. I thought everyone else was too serious all the time. So I was just looking for the humor, which was there, definitely. I, I really liked the last half of this film, the huge action sequence. That was pretty amazing. Fighting aliens and whatnot, that was really uh, a spectacle. I just love that one continuous shot in that last battle where where they went to each character, kind of showing them doing their thing. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's certainly the most epic superhero movie they've ever made. It's hard to imagine them ever making something bigger, but they, you know, hinted at the end that there's this could continue and it's got to continue and made a bajillion dollars. Well, they're doing Iron Man two. Is that the next one to come out? Three, Iron Man excuse three, me. and uh, they're doing a Thor sequel as well, and they're talking about doing another Captain America and another Hulk as well, and maybe even some sort of Hawkeye. Uh, Black Widow spy thriller. Yeah, I don't really care about that. Yeah, that seems <laughs> silly. I don't really especially, care about either of those characters at all. Especially if Jeremy Renner is going to be the new Jason Bourne, he probably shouldn't have another spy thriller franchise. I mean, he already has Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh yeah, he's getting a lot of work. Um, I, I think we've uh, conveyed our points. Well, he's trying to keep this thing moving, aren't you? We got <laughs> thousands of things to talk about. So, uh, so Beast of the Southern Wild is the next one on our list. It's a, uh, uh, I think it's getting a wide release pretty soon, actually. Did I... This week. This week? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's okay to talk about it, even though we saw it at Seattle International Film Festival. Yeah, I can't imagine they could change it that much in the, what, maybe a, not even a month since we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's, I don't, I don't know. I guess you, I don't, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what the trailer will reveal. But it, it's uh, set in this kind of surreal outside of New Orleans civilization. Uh, it's this area called the bathtub, and it's told from the point of view of this girl called Hush Puppy, uh, as her community goes through a disaster. And it's just one of the. This is a really beautiful movie. Right, yeah, the the relationship between the father and the daughter is really, really emotional and it's intense. So much tough love, yeah. It's like he wants her to survive. That's what this film seems to be about more than anything: is survival. Because these people are so proud that they're living in this area where they're just prone to disaster. It's just going to come. <clears throat> and another thing that you brought up. I don't know, at some point that I forgot to talk about in the in my review of it is, yeah, it's really cool because it it does almost feel like a foreign film because it doesn't like feel like America. It feels like you're you're being taken into this place that is so beyond the kind of world that you're used to seeing in most movies. Do you think that's a a geographical thing for you living out here in the Northwest? Like, like. Like when I see stuff on TV about disasters and stuff, that shit never happens here. Like mm-hmm. nothing may. I mean, we had that earthquake in two thousand one, which was like, oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that, was, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there, I mean, there's places in this country 
that are so far removed from what we're used to. I feel like they're different countries. But know? if you watch uh, like like the recent kind of wave of Katrina movies mm-hmm. that have come out, especially I think of Treme, the TV show, it doesn't feel anything like that at all. Like this could be a Katrina movie in some yeah. way, but it almost on a metaphorical level, it, it's it's really cool, uh, and it's. It's it's a movie that leaves an impact on you. I guarantee that. I don't know if it'll be a good impact for everyone. Uh, I think I said in my comment on your review that it it definitely has pacing issues, and maybe that'll be changed a little bit uh, for the wide release. I don't even know. I doubt it. <laughs> I think that's that's the one that's going to be released. But it's it's a cool movie. Yeah. Another cool movie is Brave. We did a, a whole podcast in honor of it last week, sort of. Uh, the new Pixar film about Scottish people and castles. I don't know if it was about <laughs> castles. There was a, there is a castle. It was, set in, it was set in a castle. I feel like I learned a lot about castles. Watch that movie. Castle what? layout. Just from like the, the the triplets, kids in their secret passageways and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Portcullises and whatnot. I have no idea what that means. Do you want me to talk about castles, or do you no, want to no, move this shit nice. along? <laughs> yeah, Brave was awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I, I mean, we talked about last week on the Pixar podcast how one of the things that that wasn't as exciting about Brave is how it, there wasn't a concept like toys or you know something that we we think of. Oh yeah, you know how does that work? But it so. When you mentioned that, I was kind of like, "Oh yeah, that that isn't that exciting." So, but so going into it, I didn't have the highest expectations, but but I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, start to end, and it's like it, it would be easy to write it off as just uh, another of the Disney princess movies because it does, in a way, follow that formula. But it, I mean, it's it's a Pixar movie, so it's more sophisticated than you think uh, uh, a princess movie could be. Uh, for example, you know, most uh, ha- think how many of, of these start out with, you know, I'm the spunky, rebellious princess and they want me to fall in love or mm-hmm. get married or whatever. And she didn't. And th- Yeah. And she didn't because that's not the story they were trying to tell. Yeah. And I really commend that. Yeah. And that's one of the things uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, loved about it. How, you know, she's she's her own woman, you know. Yes. Just had to throw that snap in there. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> Snap? That's their that's their sound. That's their gesture. You mean African American? <laughs> no, I mean women. Oh. Women have the monopoly on snapping. On that snap, the motion snap. Ah, uh, all right. Great radio. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but brave. Loved it, Colin. Uh, I was all right with it. I, I don't know. It did kind of feel like another Disney princess movie to me, in a way. Well, I, I can't get away with that completely because it is a Disney princess movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, but I don't know. It just felt like one that was more for kids to me. It didn't feel like there was as much for adults to latch on to. I guess there wasn't enough like character stuff, I suppose, because I feel like they do introduce this thing about her having to get married off, but then the movie goes in a completely different direction and it has less to do with uh, the marriage. Yeah, and sort of her 
place in a man's world that it's not really something that has that huge a part in the film. But you know, I mean, how many mo- of these movies would end with with her falling in love? Though I, f- I well, feel like I mean, I that's like a good point. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, at least it's putting out this message that you you can be your own person. Yeah, you don't have to follow the rules. It's a good message. And I I just laughed a lot. I mean, I was laughing the whole time. I was busy reading text messages on the guy sitting next to me's cell phone. <laughs> nice. What did they say? I uh, was just like, dude, you want to go to the bar after this? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, I couldn't look away. I don't know. I didn't find myself laughing as much. I felt like there was just too much slapstick stuff going on. That I just, I loved the the. I just thought it was cute. I loved the the, yeah. the three kids, and I don't know. Maybe I'm easily amused. Maybe. Did you guys see it with a bunch of kids? There was like zero children. Oh, that's there. always I always hate that. Even though like when I see a kids movie and there's like a bunch of kids, I'm just like, shut the fuck up! I'm trying to watch this. <laughs> that's not that funny. There was a guy behind me that was like, like I'm going, oh yeah, that's funny because analyzing it out loud. Well, he would you know like something would. Oh, he he ate those cakes. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Should have got him on here to review it. Oh yeah. Explain the jokes and why they're like funny. yelling a lot. That sounds great. Well, you know, there's this one part. So, John, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, that was. It's uh, probably one of my favorite movies of this year. I think it flew under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, it. it took a while for this project to get off the ground it was finished like two or two years ago i think this is a movie by uh joss whedon and drew goddard they wrote together drew goddard uh directed cloverfield i think he may have worked on buffy too so these are guys that have worked together drew goddard also directed this cabin in the woods i guess it's a horror film it's very much a comedy too and i think i can explain it without spoiling too much because there's a lot of uh little secrets in there basically it's about a bunch of uh young you know handsome teenagers and everything and they're going out to this cabin to go spend the weekend. And then you find out this cabin is being monitored by like these technicians played by Bradley Whitford and uh, Richard Jenkins. And I won't spoil why they're monitoring them, but basically they're just trying to set them up and trying to get these kids killed. And they have like all these traps. My favorite part is there's this room in the basement where there's all these different objects. Each of them summons a different kind of monster. So like whatever object they pick, that's what, the, what, that's what will try to kill them. So all the guys, you know, the technicians that are watching them, they have a big pool and they all bet on stuff. Bradley Whitford really wants it to be a merman. He's like, just this one time. There's never been a merman, never once. And this movie is just full-on ridiculous. It's gory. It's hilarious. The last half hour is just all these horror images just all coming together and it is just insane. The senses, they just, it's just, an, it's like sensory overload and it's really crazy. It's a lot of fun. I'd recommend it to anyone. You don't have to necessarily, it's not just for horror fans, just anyone who likes just to laugh or, I mean, if, if you're, you know. If, I like to laugh. If you don't like gore or something, then you're probably going to be turned off. Or, I mean, I guess it's not for everybody, but. Is it like saw gore or what kind of? Well, it's like Shaun of the Dead gory. I mean, that's kind of hard to answer. Like, like what do you mean? Like, like <laughs> the amount of blood? Yes. Oh, uh, how many pints of yeah, blood? Volume. A lot. Give me volume. It's making. probably more than both. I don't know. I feel like there's a difference between a ton of blood and like seeing bones break slowly yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's that's not the kind like of stuff. That. That. I'm it's gonna not cut like, my yeah. eyeball out. Yeah. Not like ripping off your fingernail right now yeah. on this podcast. Or something. <laughs> it's more like ridiculous, like yeah. exploding and stuff. 
And it's real over the top like that, but it's also pretty intelligent because Joss Whedon's a pretty smart guy. He's a pretty good writer. He wrote and directed the you know the Avengers. You know, so he um, a good movie, very good movie. And he's so he's been having a good year, even though this uh, not a lot of people went to go see this. Uh, he got a lot of really good reviews and everything. So I think it's going to be one of those kind of movies that's going to operate on a cult level. It's like, dude, have you seen that one, Cabin in the Woods? Definitely one I'd like to catch up with before the end of the year. I think you'd enjoy it. It's a lot of fun, especially. Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins, they're the best part. They're great. I mean, they're basically the stars, which you couldn't really tell from the trailer in a way. And it's just funny because, like, here's this this is a horror movie. It stars Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. Okay. Not what I expected, but I'll take it. I guess if you're a big uh, I don't know, West Wing fan. I am. So, Matt, tell me about The Hunger Games. Uh, it's like about these kids that, like, Fight to the death stuff. Yeah, that was the that was the hype going into the movie. <laughs> that is just like it's still bizarre to me that that is a like a like something like a book someone would write for children about children fighting to the death. Like I was uh, young adults. Oh, yeah. no, no, but like, what do you mean the the audience? That's the what audience, it's called, yeah, intended audience. Yeah, intended audience, young adults. But even like I knew that there was going to be little littler kids, you know, in the movie. About to get murdered, <laughs> like that's that's the hardest thing to to accept about the Hunger Games movies is that anyone would find watching a twelve year old girl getting killed by an eighteen year old man entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I liked it all. It's not really that original of an idea. I feel like it's been done before. Well, Battle Royale, is Battle that Royale, was... and Stephen King's The Long Walk is a book that's also about kids competing and they're dying and stuff. It's a race, though. It's kind of different, but um, I enjoyed the movie all right. It's an all right movie. Uh, I just liked I liked it enough to finally read all the books. That's that's why I put this on the list, basically. It's just it's a thing I will remember about 2012 was, ah, oh, yes, reading The Hunger Games and seeing the movie with John. Are you excited for the, the next installment? I'll see it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll check it out, but I'm not going to wait in line and wear with a bow and arrow and wear. Like, well, how many movies do you do that to you anyway? <laughs> well, none yet, but <laughs> just wait till the next. Uh, I don't know, Star Trek comes out or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go as bounty hunters. We're going as Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. We're going as Bosk or Harry Potter. Does that? Are we going to go like expanded universe Star Wars? I am. Okay. I don't know about Colin, but dibs on Dash Rendar. Oh, uh, he's actually. Uh, <laughs> Cannon. So. So what's his name? George R. Banks. <laughs> wow, that got really, really nerdy. I, I didn't know if someone made the noise. That was appropriate. How about Moonrise oh. Kingdom, everybody? Have you guys seen it yet? God, I want to so no. bad. Well, I think you'll enjoy it. It's uh, just, you know, it's, it's what you'd expect, I think. I think the trailers actually sell it pretty well. Um, it's this movie about these kids. They basically, they're on, they live on this New England kind of island in the mid-60s. And one kid, he lives, um, he's an orphan. He spends most of his time with this kind of scout group led by Edward Norton, who's really kind of, I don't know, just cheesy and like sugary sweet kind of character, you know, who's like, oh, Dosh Garnet, you know, the kind of guy that would never swear. And you have this other girl who's kind of disturbed and her parents, you know, their relationship is falling apart and Bill Murray's like super depressed and just wandering around, which he's really good at. And so these two kids run away together and hide on the island. And then basically everyone is brought together to go look for them. And that's led by Bruce Willis, who's the, uh, the the captain of this, the, you know, the police force. And he's pretty good. He's real subdued. 
And he he does a pretty good job um, not playing, you know, just this tough-as-nails action guy, being a little more softer and gentle. And so the performances are all really good, but uh, I think it's the visual style which um, really brings it home. Like, the way he just does sets, it's almost like he films everything in a dollhouse. It's all so perfect and beautiful, and the colors, like, I can only imagine this Wes Anderson storyboards are really intricate and really detailed and really specific just with his camera movements. I think he makes his brother draw them. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think... There, there, this one also adds up. Uh, this girl reads these sci-fi novels, and I, I believe they were all fake, and it looked like they were all drawn by his brother. So all sorts of really great little visual things in there, and eclectic music and everything. Uh, not too artsy, and you know I think most people can enjoy it. It's pretty accessible. I think what the best part of it all though is probably just the young love aspect. Like I think it was pretty realistic. I could definitely buy that these kids ran away and that they're in love, and the kind of things they say to each other and how they act. It's a. I'm really eager to see this. People are saying it's his best movie since Tenenbaums and Rushmore. And what more could you ask for? That's anyone? probably about right. I'd say it's as good as you know. It's in the. It's definitely in the vein of those. <sighs> so you'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just can't. I I just can't believe how what his Come films look like. It's almost like they're animated or something. There's some of the I shot definitely know what you mean. Just like. Well, they all have a feel to them, you know. Yeah, because he's an auteur. And it's fun to see him play with uh, the 60s, too, because I always feel like he was definitely the kind of guy that really appreciated retro and vintage kind of stuff. So he like really gets to most of the music to his movies is from the 60s. So he really gets to take advantage of that. And, you know, I just love everything about Wes Anderson. Me the, too. The subtlety and just the cast. Bob Balban is in this as the narrator. He appears, too. Like, he, like, talks in front of the camera. He's wearing, like, a little, like, you know, Steve Zissou type hat. It's pretty good. Given like the history of the island. It, it does, it's like, it reminds me of Royal Tenenbaums in that it's like a book too. Like the way it's all set up and like how, it ha- how it's narrated. It, you know, the narration only like gives you background on like the history of the island and like what's going to happen and everything, not like into the characters. So it's kind of interesting technique. But yeah, check it out. So excited. And our last movie that we really like from the first half of 2012 is Prometheus. Sci-fi film by Ridley Scott. This was on my top ten, and uh, it did not disappoint me. It's uh, real visceral, real dark, just a lot, you know, re- really different from a lot of the sci-fi films I've seen in the last couple of years. And of you know, of course, I think it's because of Ridley Scott returning to what he knows best. I think there's that one sequence. Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of what to call it without spoiling what it is. Uh, it the sequence in the pod mm-hmm. uh, that. <laughs> That was so memorable. I was, I can't believe they got away with that. Frankly, it was ridiculous. It was so goopy. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of like David Cronenberg stuff. You know, just full on. This totally. is definitely a body horror movie, which is a subgenre of like horror where stuff gets into you and then comes out, and it's really yeah. gross. And you can kind of imagine, well, what if that was in me? <laughs> <laughs> That's the appropriate response. I felt like when I was watching it, it was the first time in a long. I felt like I was watching a classic sci-fi mu- movie. You know. Like, it just had the same feel as Alien. The only part that I kind of took me out of that was like the, the um, like handheld shots, like of their like through their helmets. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like, uh, I don't like this. <laughs> but besides that, like I was all about it, and even I am like super squeamish, like bones breaking and shit like that. I thought it was pretty gory, which I'm like, oh god, oh god. But um, 
I was all about it. It makes me really want to watch Alien again. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how they tie it in. You know, it's 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 like a sequel, prequel. I mean, a prequel kind of, but it's, it's very its original thing, yeah. and its own thing, which is like the best way you could do a prequel, or yeah. sequel, or something. And that's really like, cool. Yeah, it's its own great movie, but it's got those little moments for you to say, oh, oh you know, it's like Alien. And I love all the questions that really leave it open ended. Mm-hmm. So if they want to continue with that kind of. Uh, you know, with this franchise, I don't know if there's any plans to do that soon. I haven't heard about anything. Oh, James Cameron's going to do Prometheus. James Cameron's got to do Prometheus, <laughs> or ep- they call it Epimetheus, Prometheus' brother. Ugh. A little Greek mythology for you there. I think he created animals, so there can be like giant animals in it. James Cameron can direct it. My only problem with the movie is, didn't all the people seem really stupid? Like, why are they? Like, doing didn't that? everyone make really bad decisions? Like, hey, we're on an alien world. Let's go off on our own. That's a good idea. Hey, I'm a really smart biologist. I'm going to poke this thing, you know, because that looks like a good idea. Yeah. I'm hey, a poke... giant wheel's rolling at me. I'm, I'm going to run away I'm going to poke this thing, but I'm afraid way. of this other, this dead body that's been dead for thousands of years. There's a little, uh, there's some character problems there. I don't think they're too big, but they are a little, the yeah. characters were a little lazy in some respect. I think, uh, Michael Fassbender's character was pretty good, though. I think mm-hmm. he was pretty well written. And of course, I liked Idris Elba, but he can be in anything. And I he like was him. really good. He had a really bad American accent. I don't know whose decision that was, but you, I think you got used to that's, it. Like that's what our accent would sound like in the future. What I find <laughs> amazing enough. is, even though I thought that, that's not a very good accent, the performance was still so good that I didn't really care. His character kind of went through the most changes in a way. He kind of starts out as this kind of wisecracking guy, and then he becomes real serious by the end, and you know, committed to what's right. Hell yeah. His arc is really, Steven really Stills, compelling. Man. And just, of course, the visual aspect and everything and how the planet looked. And, they, you know, I like that they use models and they try to make it not too much CGI. I mean, of course, there was a handful of it, but trying to make it a little more. How do you feel about, like, stuff? certain things like it's a prequel, but... The suits look way more futuristic like than the ones. Oh, it bummed me out so much when they didn't have 70s computers in the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. God, that would have been so great. I mean, what would you think if they did something like that? If they used like shitty 70s computers? And... I'd, I'd be all about it. Yeah. But it's just, it's not Instead reasonable. of like the first thing you see in the ship is like him, you know, David looking at the chick's dreams and it's like, minority report, you know. But I mean, they they kind of compromise because they give you like the pods look basically the same yeah and everything it, it feels the same just now everything has fancy cg computers and holograms and it's hard to maintain consistency over the course of 30 years you yeah. know you're going to just want to make those changes just cuz they they look better on camera or something and or it looks cooler you could even make the case that this ship is like the fanciest ship yeah, yeah. humans have made and in alien it's basically a truck they got well, like one of the shitty ones that no one wanted to use they got like use. well it's not yeah i guess that the the alien one is more of a it's like a cargo it's like we're working we're working man this is like a scientist exploration one so yeah it was financed by a million i've convinced myself that uh <laughs> that uh it works so i think we're free to move on all right so there you go eight movies we really liked just from the first half of the year imagine what could happen in the next half Moving on now, we're going to talk about our favorite albums of the year. Uh, albums like uh, the new Dr. Dog, the new Metric, uh, maybe the new Sugar Rose. Oh, wait, no, none of those? Oh, how about Bloom? 
<laughs> oh, okay. You want me to talk? Uh, Beach House, I like a lot. Uh, if they've done a bad song, I haven't heard it. But it's possible because I haven't heard the first couple albums yet. Have you gone back, Colin? I haven't. But I don't like them as much as you do, though I like them quite a bit. Okay. But I am that kind of guy that does go back and listen to bands' older albums. You seem to just keep going forward to the future. You don't care. No stopping. This is from 2008. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck 2008. (laughs) Hope and Change was on my mind back then. What's on your mind now? Just just sadness. I feel like your whole life has just been just sad. Is that why you like this? Because it reminds you of being sad? Not really. Uh, he doesn't need th- to be there's reminded. a sort of bittersweet quality. I'm reminded every day just by waking up. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed. Sean? I wouldn't call this sad. I, I would call it lush. I'd call it atmospheric. I would call it evolving. But uh, not not sad, I don't think. Lush is always the word that comes to mind when I think of Beach House. That's why I didn't want to write a review of this, because I knew I wouldn't be able to get through it without using the word lush. Well, you'll be sad to know that's in my review. Yeah, see? You're weak. <laughs> I think it, it, as long as this whole is review isn't the word lush over and over and over and over. Yeah, again. I'm not Nancy. I wouldn't write that review. Lush. Lush. Because, uh, you know, he wrote that review of what? Saw 3? Yeah, but I didn't Saw do it four. over and over. I just did it once. <laughs> Restraint. Restraint. You could say it's ambrosial. I wouldn't say that. I'm just trying to think of other words that are similar to lush. <laughs> but proceed. Um, I think in the pitchfork review. Did I say pitchfork? The pitchfork. Pitch huh? The pitchfork I'm review. Start that website. <laughs> Get on that. It's just reviewing like barbecue pork sandwiches. They said that Bloom is a really apt title because. It feels like not only does the whole album kind of bloom as you listen to it, but each each song even just kind of starts with a simple sound, a simple melody, or maybe even just one instrument making one sound. And by the end of it, it's kind of bloomed into this, I don't know, what do you even call it? Just beauty. Bloomed into a flower? My God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a good one. Uh, I don't know if I like it as much as their last album. I don't think Maybe, it is. Because, uh, yeah, the songs just aren't quite as memorable. Like, that's kind of the thing for me about this album is, like, I couldn't, like, hum you any of the songs. But every time I listen to it, I just kind of get lost in it. It's really, it, yeah, really it's, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's more coherent, I think, than Teen Dream was yeah. in that way. Yeah, the last one's a little more of a singles album, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of a weakness to the two of us. Maybe. We uh, like the singles. But it's a hell of an album. It's one I listen to all the time now. And it's been out for over a month. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that doesn't happen with me that often. Often. Sorry for mispronouncing that word. My bad, everybody. Uh, shall we keep going? Yeah, sure. How about Hospitality's self-titled album? This is the first really good album I heard this year, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you would totally dig this. Would I? Yeah, because it's basically like Bell and Sebastian, except with a female singer. 
That was kind of my first reaction to this album. <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, you should check it out. See, our podcast was worth it after Yay. all. <laughs> was this the goal to get me to listen to a new band? Well, you know, just enlighten each other with stuff. Took us half a year, but we did it. Yeah. Oh, this is hella good. It's so catchy, right? I'm not alone in this, right? You heard this call? Yeah, I actually, uh, despite my kind of passive reaction to it immediately, I did end up listening to it more than I, I thought I would. Just because, yeah, it's really catchy. It's really straight to the point. It's like a half hour. Mm-hmm. Every song's packs a punch. Yeah, it's good. It's not like groundbreaking or anything, but it's no. just really pleasant indie pop. It's fun. Yeah. Fun to listen to. I can tell by the expression John's making. He's having a great time. <laughs> Looking yeah. at his fingernails. <laughs> Keep it clean. All right, move on. Yes. Let's do the speedy. Come on. All right, Japan Droids came out with their second album. It's called Celebration Rock. What I love about Japan Droids is they sound so much bigger than two dudes. Like, how can that be? You guys are musicians. How can that well, be? Well, I, I guess... Turn the, your guitar Yeah, he just turns loud. his guitar really loud. <laughs> and he's not like... Pl- he's playing like full chords like the whole time. And that takes up a lot of space in the songs. Mm-hmm. And the drums are always really active and... I think the production, I guess, is what makes it sound so huge, and the fact that they have this approach that is sort of expansive, despite the fact that it's just two guys. Yeah. Sounds like more than two instruments, or either that or the production's just that good. That just sounds so big. Like double track cars? I mean, I'm sure they're double tracking something, but I don't know. I mean, you, you can, if you're playing, you know, six strings of whole chords yeah and I mean you're not doing power chords or anything you're gonna get a lot of the low frequencies in there as well so I mean you're not gonna miss the bass as much and and uh yeah I mean hearing this for the first time I wouldn't have guessed it's two guys mm-hmm. I had the privilege of seeing them at a college concert uh when they're on tour with their last album and they, just, they strike me as two guys who are just having a ton of fun playing music and God, they're really good at it. Or at least they're really good at making sounds that I like to hear. And <laughs> I have key. no problem continuing to support the Japandroids. I don't know if I would call this a better album than their first album. But it's it's not an easy call either way, I don't think. It's I really like good. it a lot better than the first one. See? For some reason. I can't really pin it down. Like I never really got that heavily into the first one. But this one really works for me. Mm-hmm. I guess the songwriting seems a little bit more... Uh, I don't know, intricate, a little more advanced. So the first one's just like them screaming the same <laughs> words over and over again. Right, yeah. I feel like there's a little bit more of a song craft in, in this album. Maybe. Yeah, I remember the, the first one they had lyrics like, I just want to French kiss some French girls. and It, it wasn't the most sophisticated stuff, but I kind of liked the earnestness of, of that. And, and they transitioned away from that a little uh, with Selfish Rock. There's still a lot of joyous juvenile stuff in here that's a lot of fun yeah and you always use the singing style basically 
That's a cool summer album, too. It's called Point Out. Yeah. It feels like the summer because it starts and ends with fireworks. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, because you said Because I heard it. <laughs> and you said that thing, too. Uh, <laughs> how, <laughs> how about you open your heart, Colin? The men's new album. There's a band that kind of sounds similar to Japandroids sometimes. sometimes. Like they have this really sweaty, like joyous garage rock sort of punk alternative thing going on. But then there are all these songs that they go in completely other directions. Like there's like this seven minute almost like prog rock thing that just builds and builds. And then there's some country influences too. And I found that a little difficult the first time I listened to it because. Most bands, they kind of sound the same on every song nowadays. But uh, this one, no, they just take their sound in every which way, and I think that's that's really cool. Uh, Sean, was the only time you listened to this when you were driving in my car that one time? Yep. All right. So we don't really need to talk about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> Unless you got anything to say. Sorry to be so dismissive. Uh, but well, we should it, just shoot it seemed cool this. to me. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out again. Just like I gotta check out that uh, one you were talking about, John. Which is? Uh, Edward Sharp album. Oh, here. Yeah, I like that. Real different from their last one. Very folky. And so ends our Edward Sharp discussion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about The Screaming Females? Ugly is the name of the album. I, I was so close to getting into this album, but I, I don't like the way she sings. I like it okay. It kind of reminds me of Karen O. Yeah, she definitely from the yeah yeah yeah. Sometimes goes up into these very high registers. It's almost like a banshee wail. It's just, it. it I can see how it can be kind of uh, divisive for uh, for some people. It definitely seems like there's there's one like those spots like why would you go here? Why wouldn't you just do it again? Like they just did the whole thing in one go or something. It seems like a lot of times she doesn't sing notes. Which like, would be great if this was a rock band track. Then I could nail it. <laughs> it's like you you are one of the finest rock band singers I've ever met. Sure. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. I think sometimes I like those weird decisions to go like vocally in weird places just because it kind of makes it more angsty and more punky. Uh, I like the album okay. Oh, you actually listened to it? Actually, why would I be talking to it if I didn't know anything about it? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I do that sometimes. I, it was a little long for me, but I, I liked it fine. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it is a little bit long. It definitely seems like this band could do greater things in the future. Like I feel like, from what I've read, this is kind of the first one where they've actually put more attention to the songwriting. There are definitely some, you know, fairly catchy songs, and then some that are just kind of rock, and that's what makes them enjoyable. Uh, the lead singer also plays guitar, and she's she's really good. She totally shreds, and you don't see that that often in like indie rock bands. It's almost like sort of a classic rock thing going on. 
I feel like each song has so many different parts too. Yeah. Like is she's like how do they do it when she's live? Is she really playing all that and singing? Like that's pretty amazing. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on there. It's like as good enough as like hair metal music. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <musicianship. laughs> that's the pinnacle of musicianship is hair metal. All right, so let's move on uh, to the shins with Port of Morrow. So the weird thing for me with the shins was for some reason I had it in my head that I like don't like the shins anymore. And then this album came out and I listened to all those shins albums again. It's like, oh wait, no, I like all of these. I listened to the Broken Bells album again. It's like, oh yeah, I like this even though no one else does. And of course I listened to Portal Mouth and I'm all about it. It's it's great. I think James Mercer is just one of the best vocalists. He just his voice is just so I don't know, so beautiful. I very much agree. Like, I mean, I, I'd say if it was just any other singer, this would be like, it'd be fine, like pop rock. But because just be, he's singing these songs, he makes it that much better. Like, he brings that much just vocally and makes it really interesting. And his harmonies are always just great. It's just a shame that he had to kick out everyone else, you know, the band. Did, did right, but if, if, if the band was called. Well, I think one guy was. They kind of got kicked out because, I don't know, maybe he's messing up drugs or something. His life was, his shit wasn't together. Um, and then I don't know how, what happened to the, the other guy, but then the drummer just got straight kicked out because, like, you're not, like, good enough to, like, play these songs. You're, like, not good enough drummer. And oh. I think the way he tells it, he's, he says he was let down a little more gently than that, but not much. <laughs> I, I just, if the band was called James Mercer, would people think this was a big deal if he fired people if he didn't think they could play what he envisioned in his head no i mean it's, it's always pretty much been his band all yeah. his songs and everything it's never really been that collaborative yeah they're just kind of his backing band. i mean they're i like the guys i like the drummer he's a, it's always is, nice is he the dude who's also in modest mouse or is that someone else who's in the band i think that's someone else oh. i don't know maybe i think modest mouse has a new album coming out this year i hope so that'd be awesome it's been a long time but yeah i like port of Mario too it was it was real pretty. I don't know that there's much more to say about it. I don't know if it's some of the best Shin songs. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. Musicianship may be better because he got a, had five years. He's got a really solid backing band. I just think it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good. And there's a few more albums I'd like to talk about, but I have to save that for the end of the year, I guess. We even do a <laughs> top ten of the year podcast. What, you think we're going to give up? Well, I feel like it's so hard with music. For us, because I mean, look at our top tens of the year last year. We didn't have like any albums in common. It's just so subjective, I guess. We could do like a little. Like, so we'll each see. person gets their. Well, I mean, maybe maybe our our top ten list will be similar. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, or we maybe the world months. will be over because of Lord Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, then we don't even have to think about it. Have our minds made up for us? Yes. Oh, you're thinking about that. Think about this: top ten video games. I'm the only one who's played any of these, so this is going to be kind of rapid fire. First one is Diablo 3. Does anyone know anything you're about just, Diablo 3? You're going to skip the Walkman? Oh, shit. That's fine. We don't have to. Talk I about mean, the end of the year. I, I had it queued up. It. See, I didn't see it because the icon is I don't really have that much to say. You really like the Walkman, though. Tell I know. Us. I've already talked so much about him on the blog. I did the whole retrospective. That's a good... Uh, Go check out the blog. If yeah, you if you want to hear my opinions on the Walkman, go to Devor or no. Oh! 
Go to mildlypleased.com if you want to hear my opinions on the walk. Dude, I got an email. Demorg.org is not going to be ours in like a month. I didn't know. We better sell it. (laughs) If you go there, is it just like that picture of that alligator biting into like an H or something? No, you can't go here. I finally fixed that. Now it's just a page that says we're at mildlypleased.com. It should just be a big middle finger. Do that. To who? Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) For going to our website. (laughs) You bastard. I just think that'd be funny. All right, Diablo 3, who can tell me anything about it? Uh, I remember you, you like one time I called you and asked you what you're doing. You're like, oh, I'm just playing Diablo 3. And I was like, what's that about? And you're like, oh, like you just like click on stuff and stuff happens. Yeah, you click on stuff, it explodes, you get the stuff from the thing, and then that's in your inventory. <laughs> that is the Diablo 3. That's what it's all about. It's hell of addictive. It is as addictive as gaming gets because... It's just. Did you just like say out hella? Yes. Hell of addictive. <laughs> hell of addictive. I like that. We're trendsetters here at <laughs> Top Ten Thursday. Uh, because it's just about making your character's numbers go up, and they go up all the time. <laughs> you're getting more experience. You're getting new items. You're changing your skills around. They really streamline the whole playing of this game process uh, from Diablo Two, which came out like ten years ago. I don't even know if you guys are aware of previous Diablo games. Nope. Uh, but it's pretty cool. I I was originally pretty skeptical about it just because uh, with it, Blizzard has made their... Blizzard's the developer of, of the game, by the way. Uh, they made their own auction house where you can take your items and sell them, not just for in-game money, but for real-life money, like PayPal exchanges. And they're they're wetting their beak on those transactions. And that seems pretty shady to me. And because of that, the game always has to be online. So even though I always play it single player, I have to be online to play it all the time. And that's, Wasn't that's, that an issue like when it launched? That was an issue because you know this game is like 10 years in the making. And so there were some people who were really excited about it and like took day off of work. And then they couldn't log in all day because the server was down. That's not cool. But whatever, the game's pretty cool. What do I care? Uh, what's it about? Why is it called Diablo? Well, is it in hell? Sort of. Well, actually, you don't you don't really go to hell. You do go to heaven, though. Uh, it basically it's it's set in this this world where there's uh, angels and demons, and and then there's kind of the humans who are in this canon. They're the the offspring of humans and demons, so they actually can become more powerful than either. And uh, Diablo is the Lord of Destruction. He's the most powerful demon. You're trying to bring... But he's actually dead by the time Diablo 3 begins. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Next on the list is Kurt Schilling's Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling started a game studio to make an MMO because apparently he was a huge EverQuest fan. (laughs) Really? Really. And he, like, invested all of his money into this. Talking about Kurt Schilling the... Baseball the baseball player, the pitcher. <laughs> so and not to be, Sean's had lots of conversations with me about Kurt Schilling's video game. I've never heard this. Yeah. And so, uh, along he's been developing this MO for years and years. And along the way, they bought this other company uh, called Big Huge Games, and they were developing a sort of action RPG, kind of in the vein of like a Fable, which. It's probably too new a game for you guys even to get that reference, but if you play video games, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's just a it's a fantasy game. You have magic and weapons and 
You kill things, a lot of things, and you get new items. For chilling like, in the like, game? Like a Zelda, I guess. <laughs> is he an unlockable character? So, it's, it's, it, I was not even going to answer that question. I'm, I'm going to get to the Kurt Schilling stuff. Uh, just on the game, Reckoning, it's pretty solid. It's not absolutely amazing. I don't think it'll be on my end of the year list. Uh, but I wanted to give it a shout out, especially because of it's kind of it's pretty sad what happened uh, to Kurt Schilling's studio. Is The game made, I think it sold like a, over a million copies or something. It did pretty well for itself, but not amazingly well. And... Kurt Schilling's studio was based in uh, Maryland, I think, and they were owned by the state. And so uh, they couldn't make some payment, and the governor said some shit about the company, and they had to lay off their entire staff. And Kurt Schilling is, like, broke now. and It, it all turned That's out... That's why he's on baseball tonight all the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of talented game designers who worked on a game for years and years now won't get to show that product and it's all pretty sad Aww. moving on <laughs> uh, Mass Effect 3 is a game I really liked even though a lot of people hate it just because the last five minutes of the game are weird and I guess there's a patch out this this very week that gives the game a whole new ending or uh at least explains the ending better, which I haven't seen yet. But is it like confusing or just like be it again? Uh, basically, yeah. Um, uh, I think you can probably load up your "I beat the game" save and it'll yeah. pick up relatively close to the end. Thanks for interrupting my question that I asked Sorry. Sean first. What did you say? I wanted to know why people don't like the ending. Is it confusing? It, it is a little confusing. Like. It's more just a where did this all come from type ending. And people complained that there's you don't have much agency in the outcome of the game. But it never really bothered me because the whole of Mass Effect 3 is paying off everything that Mass Effect 1 and 2 set up. Uh, but by the time I got to the ending, there was really only one question left, and that was how are we going to beat the bad guys, and are we going to beat the bad guys? And so it it never bothered me as much as other people. Maybe it's because I am so used to confusing and kind of bad TV show endings, like like Lost and Battlestar Galactica. Like I I got I got my I can reasonably handle this this shit. <laughs> Unlike angry video gamers who are all so goddamn entitled. Is that the end of this franchise for now? Uh, for now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something else. But they they really didn't leave that many openings. Uh, and it, it's also the first game in the series that added multiplayer, and I've actually been pretty into the multiplayer. Uh, I've been playing with my good buddy Matt Hipperson. A little shout out for you, Matt, if you ever listen to this, which I doubt. Move along. How about SSX, the new SSX game? SXX snowboarding game. Remember those games? I was never about them. Yeah, yeah, sure did. All right. Well, it's like that, but new. What was their twist on that franchise? Like, what made it different from other snowboarding games? Anything? Well, there's not that many snowboarding games anymore, so they had that edge. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, What they did was they introduced gear into it. um, Mm -hmm. So you could wear, like, a wingsuit and float around and jump, you know, impossible jumps that would kill people without wingsuits. Or you could wear, like, ice picks so you could turn more sharply and slow yourself down better. That kind of stuff. 
it was, it was all pretty cool. And they also they uh, they did this thing where you like everything you do is on a leaderboard, and so it's really easy to compare how you're doing to your friends and try to set new high scores. And I'm sure that would have been really addictive, except none of you guys even own Xbox 360s. So there was, I was the top of all my friends' leaderboards. <laughs> <laughs> I want a game that only has low, the, the lowest of everyone. So, so you can know if you're the absolute worst <laughs> at this one game. And another game that's, that was kind of like this was uh, Trials Evolution, which I did convince you guys to play a little bit of. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like which, a sight bike. Yeah. Except you can't... God, piss me off. What? I don't know, I just like... Because of the backflips? You want to well, do the backflips? I back just want to do backflips, but it, it doesn't help you at all. What is this game? It makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah, like, I guess. God, that was cool. It's basically I'm like awesome. Excite Bike, but like super good graphics. It's just like your three motorcycles and you race and you just go... But it's it's not really about the race, it's about just getting over these obstacles and not falling down. Mm-hmm. It's it's really checkpoint based. And so once my problem with it is it, I mean there's nothing wrong with the game it's just my my personal like <laughs> a bit defect with the you <laughs> as know a human as being. a human being playing this game is I I'm always like okay this round I'm going to like totally be super careful and not not do backflips not do backflips <laughs> and just try to get to the end. And then I'll totally win. But then I'll, like, crash immediately and just keep crashing. And everyone get away. If the other players get way ahead of you, then you'll just, like, straight up die and then just show up later. And, mm-hmm. and so of course, the single player is a bit different. It's more just, here's you, here's a sheer wall. You have the ability to lean backwards and forwards and accelerate and go in reverse. Or not even go in reverse, just hit the brakes. Now get over the sheer wall. And it's... It is definitely one of the most frustrating games I've ever played on the higher difficulties. You just gotta quit it at a certain point. They have one level called like the Mega Track or something like that, and it it takes so long to get through all of it. And they actually like you do fail if you fail too many times or if you run out of I think half an hour or something is it hurts. It is a game you gotta just let go of. At a certain point, you gotta say it's not worth me causing myself the emotional pain it would take <laughs> to overcome this course. Causing me to break something in my house. Yeah, I've never thrown a controller in my life, but I think if I played Trials enough, I would do it. <laughs> this is a downloadable game? It is a downloadable game. And this has actually been a pretty good year for downloadable games. Uh, Journey is a big one everyone's talking about. Check it out soon. Fez, another like crazy one-man project that's like no one's smart enough to figure out. This is a cool year for, for video games, it's, and a lot of it's downloadable, and that's awesome. But we got to keep going. TV time. We're going to start with The Game of Thrones. Uh, have you caught up with this, John? No, but I will. It's been slow. I think I saw the first five episodes. I feel like this season's been a little more complicated. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just not following it with, <laughs> with uh, who's fighting who. And Yeah, I guess because the first one is just there's intrigue going on, but it, this one, it's there's a war you going on. you got to pay attention this season. It's, it's like a four... Th- at least three way, maybe four way war. Yeah, I'm really like I'm not sure who's against who and why necessarily, but I do enjoy I do enjoy j- most just for the acting for one thing. Uh, Peter Dinklage is he's a top billings this year, mm-hmm. and he's had some really great scenes. But just watching his character evolve and everything, he's really shine. I think you definitely miss the actors who aren't returning. Mm-hmm. Who I won't say who. Yeah, 
Uh, the show has kind of a different feel to it now, I think, from the first season. Uh, but it's still really entertaining. Uh, lots of sex position to look forward to. And I you, just, you told me about sex position. That's where uh, people are, you know. They have so much lots exposition. Lots of exposition, but they load the screen with boobs and... Well, avalanche of boobs. Well, boobs, just boobs. Yes. That's all you need. Yeah, just fucking. <laughs> That's what they should have called the show. <laughs> Just, just fucking. <laughs> I've I've been disappointed. I've been reading the 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 books. I'm Long almost boobs. I'm almost done with the first one. There's like not once, as, as he said. And now they had to talk, but look at the boobs instead. <laughs> they got to redo the books with illustrations. <laughs> not nearly as much sex in the book as I remember being in the show. It's HBO baby, got to do it raw. <laughs> yeah, they got to do it raw. That when I watched Homeland, I felt like they're just throwing in nudity because they got to keep up with HBO, aren't they? Probably. Stupid Showtime. No one will take you seriously. Uh, but Game of Thrones, I, I think it's also departing from the source material more uh, than the first season did. I can't say because I haven't read the second book yet, uh, but that's what people have told me. Would you say it's a show that's getting better like on the rise or it's just containing, like maintaining this consistent level of quality? Uh, if it's true that they're not as uh, strictly obeying what was written in the books... But I think it is getting stronger. It's growing into its own. Uh, I, I think the problem with it was uh, they had to keep characters who I'm guessing weren't in the books at all or were barely in the book, but are main characters in other books. So they're main cast on the show. So they wrote them into the season and then they had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Daenerys is bumming around this whole season just going, oh, well, I love my dragon so much. And it's just, oh, God. Bored. (laughs) (laughs) But that actually ended up pretty cool for the season finale. So, I don't know. What do I know? But Jamie Lannister is another character. It's like, what's he doing? Why why is he he here? He's in the opening credits. He's only in like three episodes this season. Anyway, another HBO show I like is Girls. Anyone else seen this? I saw the first episode. What did you think of the first episode? It was fine. I liked it okay. Um, it seemed like pretty typical indie drama kind of stuff. There wasn't really anything that really drew me in. Just kind of bohemian type New York people with hot problems. <laughs> and uh, I don't feel like they're really, really serious problems like compared to what some other people go through. So I wasn't really that compelled by it. But it seemed, you know, it's, it's, I, it seemed all right. I just, I could relate to the, as hot a... Hot problems? As the, yeah, I can yeah. see how it's relatable, but at the same time, I'm like, if I th- if I think about it, it's like, these are kind of pathetic problems in a way, for some people, maybe. And that's what's kind of funny about it, is they're like, oh, God, what will I do? My parents when, are cutting me off. My parents are cutting me off. It's the end of the world. When, you know, Quetzalcoatl's the real end of the world. You got to worry about that shit. Mm-hmm. Did he make an appearance during the season? Uh, not even in the season finale. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, it's just... As the show's gone on, they made me like characters who I didn't really like at all early on and start to dislike characters I liked in the beginning, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's not as funny as I thought it would be since, you know, it's a Judd Apatow-produced TV show and everyone talked about how funny it is. Uh, It feels more like a drama a lot of the time, but I don't, that doesn't really bother me. I I find it pretty entertaining and, and, and with a short season like that, I don't have any problem at least talking about it at, on this list. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I want to check it out. I actually uh, watched uh, Lena Dunham's movie, Tiny, Tiny Furniture. Furniture. Uh, I thought it was all right. But thought that kind of style that she was going for might be a little more interesting in a TV setting. I don't know because I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. She's, she's pretty brave on that show. She's the only one that's like getting naked all the time because of the HBO quota they have to meet. <laughs> <laughs> the booby quota. Yeah. How about Justified, Cole? Justified. Uh, Justified had a really great second season, and this third season that aired this year, I don't know if I like it quite as much. I think the show's definitely strayed a bit more from the kind of mix of having an overarching story in in the seasons and sort of a crime of the week type thing, which was kind of fun sometimes. Um, This season went more for... I don't know, almost like setting the stage for the last two episodes, which were really, really awesome. Um, Neil, what's his name? Neil McDonough? Is that the name of the guy? I was going to say Martin McDonough. That's the director. Neil McDonough plays a villain this season, and he is totally crazy. He is is really fascinating to watch in this role, which is weird because he doesn't seem like the most fascinating actor but he, he really proves himself. What do you mean? He played M. Bison. It takes the most interesting <laughs> actor to play that <laughs> Street part. Fighter, the legend of Street- Chun-Li. It's right up there with Raul Julia. Yeah, okay. Well, um... Who yeah, pl- who played M. Bison in the original? Raul Julia. Gomez Adams from the Adams Family movies from the 90s. Nice. He was, like, dying of cancer, so he's really frail, and then he died. He could fly, though. In real life? Yeah, he flew away. That's how he died. He flew into space and suffocated. (laughs) It's all in the film. The the kind of the cool thing about Neil McDonough's character is he's this guy from Detroit and he comes down to Kentucky and he's like, I can totally get these idiotic hicks to do all the dirty work for me so I can get rich off of their drug trade. But then everybody down there's like, nah man, we're not we're not gonna be played like that. And it's just fun to see a show that that has all these southern characters, but they're hella smart. They got like, you know, pretty witty dialogue and they're hella crafty and one step ahead of, you know, these guys from up north who think they're superior. But it's a it's a fun show. I like I like the fact that you know, it's it's dramatically satisfying as far as the characters and the relationships, but it's also got these really crazy fun moments where, you know, Timothy Oliphant's just Shooting a bunch of guys. What time of the year is it on? Uh, it started in late January and went till I don't know March or April. Hmm. Thirteen episodes. Okay. So I got into it just because yeah, there's not wasn't really anything else going on in TV at that point in the year, as far as dramas, mm-hmm. except for Walking Dead. But that's a show <laughs> with southern characters that have really shitty dialogue. And aren't that fun to watch. I was going to say more like Talking <laughs> Dead, but I realized that actually is a show. God, that's it got boring, right? Yeah, yeah. it got super boring. I, I, it took me like two months to watch the finale. <laughs> and then I finally just sat down and I'm like, okay, like I've gotten this far. I might as well just finish this. And... I think my problem with Walking Dead is I feel like a good drama show builds momentum. Like the episode ends on like, oh man, what's going to happen next week? 
But I didn't feel that. It just kind of walked. It just kind of. It's like I know what's gonna it's, happen. It stayed in the same place for so yeah. long. It, it should have been going a lot faster. Yeah. It's like I know what's gonna happen. They're gonna some someone's gonna make a decision. They're gonna like and they're gonna debate that decision. No, it's for, wrong. We can't wrong. do this. <laughs> no, it's we, it's the only choice. <laughs> and you watch these characters argue for so long that they just become so annoying. You don't really like any of them. Yeah. I mean, the Except only character I really like is T Dog uh, Baby. <laughs> The token black guy yeah. is uh, Daryl, the guy with the crossbow, just because he doesn't say much and because he kicks ass. Team MVP. And T-Dog. He's not, you know, they're not ruining the character because he's not going around arguing. But he did almost, bitch. He, he started veering into that category. Yeah, he did. The so they got to be careful. Just <laughs> keep his dialogue minimal. I think that. Minimize just the damage. Keep it, I think that. Keep everyone's dialogue minimal. I think it could get Gutter better, roll. but I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems what, like from the finale, it, it's going into. What, where would you want it to go? Like, if 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 you could have your way, like where where would the next season go? Well, for one thing, I'd just like to see more zombie fighting because, like, I actually like when when, when there's the parts where there's a zombie coming after him. That was mm-hmm. really exciting to me. Like, that's good enough for me. I don't. I'm not expect. I mean, I guess it'd be nice if this show hit on something deeper, like. Um, like lost or something you like one into like there's this 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 goes deeper or like there's something more to it or something which it seems like they're deliberately trying not to do it's like they're deliberately saying let's let's not investigate why there's zombies at all let's just pretend that that's just the way things are oh no we're all gonna die i mean like my favorite part of the first i mean i am not a zombie person i don't really like zombies it's not interesting to me but the thing i loved about the first season was like they had a goal they got somewhere and like that last whole bit you know at the complex i thought that was awesome and i was all about you know and they you know they explain stuff and i want them to get somewhere that's interesting yeah that that makes sense if they have an objective and if they're trying to go at it a forward momentum not just Mm -hmm. think about it maybe we should leave this farm but maybe not maybe we should maybe not (laughs) i'm pregnant (laughs) at least they had that lady with the like pet zombies and the sword in the finale, remember her? Mm-hmm. Like she could be interesting. I hope. Mm-hmm. Hope she doesn't just join the group and be like, oh, "I hate making." I know choices. the next season introduces the main villain from the comic series, so we'll see if he's if he translates well to screen. He's pretty eccentric in the graphic novel series, so uh, that could be interesting. Could be stupid, you know, like because he could be an over the, too over the top, maybe cartoonish supervillainry. We'll see. I, I you know I hope it's I hope it's good because I feel like it's really popular. But I don't feel like it it deserves to be that popular because I don't feel like the quality is as, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't matter. People should be watching Justified. Mm-hmm. I know, Colin. I'll start watching Justified eventually. So should we move on to another AMC? No, let's talk about no, Legend sh- of Korra instead. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a sequel to Avatar Last Airbender. It has some things in common with that show. Uh, but I had the luxury of not having to watch that on Nickelodeon. I just shotgun that shit on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> she click, click, booyah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend I'm too good for Nickelodeon. Hell no. It was, it was great. It was I watched the entire thing and I, I loved it too. I even saw the goddamn terrible M. Night Shyamalan movie. Maybe one of the most disappointing things I ever saw in my whole life. But the good news did is... Did you see Dragon Ball Evolution? I did see Dragon Ball Evolution in theaters <laughs> on the day it came out. <laughs> that's not... That's where, 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 I want to know where that ranks. 
that's probably more disappointing because because <laughs> at least Avatar: the Last Airbender roughly stuck Resemble. to the source material. Yeah. Anyway, Legend of Korra was going to be this miniseries sequel, and they extended out to a two-season TV show. And this whole first season has been really well done. Uh, having to watch one episode a week, one episode a week was kind of a pain, uh, but. They handle the episodic format a lot better than Last Airbender did. There's no filler. There's even a lot less comedy, which is kind of disappointing because Last Airbender was a pretty funny show uh, when it wanted to be. Uh, but it's just the martial arts in this animation are so good. It's, it's there's some of the most fun action sequences that you can see in things. Seriously, it's it's really cool because uh, it's. It's not lazy animation at all. It this show looks like it costs a lot of money, which I don't know if it did, but it looks like it. And it's it's a really interesting story um about this world where people can control the elements and then there's one person who control all the elements. And now that it's over, you can probably get a hold of it in a way where you don't have to watch a thousand commercials for Madagascar 3. <laughs> I, I think it's really good. I like it. It's like a fantasy fantasy show. You said it's related to that Airbender thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a sequel to Never that. Never heard of it. Um, it's set like eighty years later, so it's there. There's actually a city now, and it's it's set in a city, and all the music is cool, like Asian influenced jazz. And it's it's really it's it's a neat show, John. I think you'd like it as someone who oh, likes animated shows. Yeah, but it's like a kids show. It's not. Okay. In in the season finale, there was both a murder suicide and a major character contemplating throwing his or herself off a giant mountain. That's serious shit. Suicide, John. Murder suicide. Mm-hmm. With explosions. Okay, AMC again. Mad Men. What's up? We were we never talked about AMC. Oh yeah, we talked about Walking Dead. That was an accident. Though. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't intend to talk about Walking Dead. I think this may have been my favorite Mad Men season. Yeah, right? It, it was, was really, really surprising good. because the last season kind of ended on a more optimistic note. And I'm like, oh, man, because Don's happy again. He He's remarried. You know, you think everything's going to come together, but it's like the exact opposite. <laughs> and um, the season started on an optimistic note. It was kind of a lighthearted series premiere. Remember, it had a lot more laughs than usual. But then things just get darker. His relationship and darker. with his wife is getting all muddled. He's having weird dream sequences where he's killing people and stuff, and all sorts of crazy stuff like that's going on. Um, what else happened? Yeah, the highest body count of any season. Highest of Mad body Men. count, definitely. <laughs> if you count the dream body. Uh, Roger taking LSD and stuff, <laughs> getting further into the. The, the revolutionary kind of side of the late 60s. Drug culture. The drug culture. Don Draper listening to the Beatles and turning that shit off. Yeah, it has, He's it, not accepting of what's happening. He's, they, he's they, caught in the stuck in the past. The season did deal with a lot of it, that these people were kind of being passed by by the whole youth movement of the 60s. These guys are becoming antiques. Which is really interesting because the show started out, like, these are like the hot shots. These are the guys everyone you know, wants to be and everything. Mm-hmm. Now they're kind of, yeah, they're becoming the dinosaurs or something. <laughs> Do the soulless work. And I just, I'm really excited to see where it's going. I wasn't really thrilled by the season finale. It was fine. I mean, it, 
it certainly wasn't as quite as shocking as a few of the episodes before it. Um, but that's okay. I mean, there's only so much you can do yeah, in one season to make it, it still believable. Because I think Madman is pretty believable. You don't want to make it too over the top with the kind of dark stuff that happens on it. And it's it's weird that it is believable given like all that we know about Don Draper's past that he's still a believable, relatable guy, even though he's basically a superhero of, of marketing. And then we got all of his backstory, which I won't spoil for the uninitiated listening. Uh, but the, Man, Man's a hell of a show. And uh, you should probably be watching it if you have. Well, I guess you can if you have Dish Network because they're all about screwing. Or, or Netflix. Most of it's on Netflix. So if, you, if people out there have Netflix, you can check it out there. If uh, if you would say Breaking Bad's number one AMC show, which I assume you do. I, I do. W- I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I like Mad Men more. Ooh. I'd say Breaking Bad. But, but yeah, Mad Men. But Mad Men's. It's right up there. It's right up there. It's only like it's four shows. The original. <laughs> It's only two shows anyone cares about. Walking Dead, a lot of people care about. They do care. More than either of those other shows put together. Hell on Wheels and then The Killing are the other ones. Did you watch any of The Killing this year? I watched the first two episodes and then I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even get that far. It's just, it wasn't going anywhere, it seems like. It seems like a show that's just going to keep dragging it out. Maybe you more and more mysteries. I need to unlike the killing because I'm getting all these like killing updates on my Facebook. I need to get rid of. But yeah, the the guy on the killing, uh, Lyndon's partner, he's mm-hmm. the new RoboCop. Isn't that messy? Nice. <laughs> he's my favorite part about the killing. I'm all about that guy. Yeah, he's kind of this. He's like, hey, white... girls, you want to smoke some weed? Yeah, white kind of hip guy, kind of acts like he's kind of ghetto and stuff on the fringe. Definitely not kind of guy you'd expect to be a cop. So he's going to be RoboCop. I hope he's like the same kind of character. He's like trying to get high with a robot. <laughs> that would make RoboCop great. We'll have to wait and see. Robo weed. Isn't House going to be the bad guy in that? Was it RoboCop that he was going to be the bad guy? And he signed on to something. I, I tried my best not to read about RoboCop. <laughs> well, I hope so. That'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Gosh, Rod, you're a huge RoboCop fan. Which is I why am. he wouldn't want a remake. Cause I guess. It, yeah. it was perfection. It'll it'll be uh, it'll taint the legacy. Lasted Airbender all over again. If someone said I could make that remake not happen, I'd buy that for a dollar. Very nice. So Aaron Sorkin has a new show called The Newsroom. I haven't seen it yet, so it's not on this list. But uh, if if you're thinking about The West Wing, you might like watching kind of the opposite of that show, Veep. This is about uh, like. Well, first of all, it's the vice president, not the president. Whoa. That's what Veep is. That's what people call her. Veep all the time in the show, which is weird. Yeah, do people call Joe Biden Veep? I don't think so. Never heard it. Yeah, maybe maybe in his personal life. I don't know. Yo, Veep. Feel like they just call him Joe. Anyway, it's it's uh it's a TV show by the guys who made that movie in the loop a few years ago, or is that the name of that show that it was based on? It was a show, and then it was a movie. I saw the movie, wasn't it? One of them was called In the Loop. I the think... movie was definitely In the Loop. Okay. Like it was I've both. seen it. But I, I feel like know. it was both, yeah. We'll proceed. Anyway, uh, it's just this really funny look at American politics uh, from the point of view of the vice president, played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus. You know, everyone loves her. She's a real funny lady. And she's really funny on Veep. She's by far the funniest part of the show with a bunch of funny people on it. I don't know what that means, John. 
I'll have to take a picture of myself on photo booth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to hold your attention. No, no, it's good. Go on. Uh, but it, it it is the opposite of the West Wing in that the West Wing is such an idealistic show, and here's a show that is, you know, very cynical at its look at American politics. It's not. Thank you, John, for appearing interested. Uh, instead of you know everyone trying to do what's best for America, it's about everyone trying to do what's best for their political career. I think you can guess where I'm going with this. I know it's been a long podcast, so how about I just tell you this. Watch Veep, and uh, maybe as we listen to some sweet tunes by the Walkmen, I can remind everybody that we're going to have lists just like this at the end of the year, except way longer and way better and ranked. More, and more fighting. So much more fighting. Yeah. And if you want to leave any feedback or read any reviews of the things we talked about or... Just see how everybody's doing. You can head over to mildlyplease.com, not demorg.org. We'd, we'd love to have some visits. We'd love to see how you're doing. Well, I guess that's it for another edition of Top 10 Thursdays. We're taking next week off, but we're going to give you a best of. Who knows what that'll be like, but I think it'll probably be pretty good if it really is the best of us. It's the best. So you got that to look forward to. I'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. I'm not your heart.